Well, welcome to the Story of Hope podcast, where we are sharing the story of how Bible translation brings hope to the people groups of the world. My name is Esther. I am the lead singer for the band Eversmith. I've been working in partnership with Wycliffe Bible Translators New Zealand for a really, really long time. And I'm super excited to be here today with my host, Alex. Uh, hi, I'm Alex Winslade. I work here in the home office um, at Wycliffe New Zealand um, and we're so excited to be joined by Jenny Erina today, one of our Wycliffe New Zealand members. Hi everyone, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for hosting me, both of you. And uh, yes, I have a long history with uh, with Wycliffe New Zealand, which we'll get into later on, but um, mm -hmm. yes, I live in the north of New Zealand and uh, I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So we, we like to start with just a couple icebreaker questions. Um, so we can jump straight into those. Um, so when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, pretty consistently, I wanted to be a nurse. Oh, and okay. yeah, I was pretty, pretty consistent about that. But yeah. um, I also had a passion, un, just unyielding passion for singing just I just wow. loved to sing no matter mm. what anytime anywhere and so much so that my parents would have to ask me to stop sometimes because it was wow. just <laughs> so much um but I yes the the nursing dream kind of died when I hit um year 12 chemistry and I thought mm. I cannot stand it <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure that that was a good way to make my choice. But anyway, that would shut the door to, to nursing. So I thought, I can't do chemistry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I can so very, it, was, it was good, though. I can very much relate to the singing thing. Like, to this day, my mum is often, like, heard to be saying, Esther, you don't have to make everything into a song. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, someone will say yeah. something and I'll sing it back to them. And my life is kind of a, a bit of a musical. So very yes. much relate to that one. <laughs> yeah, it's just in you. And I don't know that there's any, I, it's, it's a gift. You know, you just have mm. to have to go with it and enjoy it. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing that God's put in us. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. And we'll get into a bit later how that has is seen now and what you're doing now um, with all the singing um, yeah but yeah my um, second icebreaker question is what is one piece of scripture or advice that has encouraged you recently yeah oh well that's a great question um and probably the way to answer it is is there's a, a verse which is um psalm 27 verse 1 which is the lord is my light and my salvation mm -hmm. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when you asked recently, it is ever, ever constantly a, a source of great solace for me, but it has been probably for the last three years. It's probably one of my big go-to verses when I sense a, a feeling of unrest or anxiety coming up. Then, then I, just, I just love that the personhood of God is my light yeah. he is my light you know and my salvation and these I just never need to be frightened and there are a lot of things that I I look at my life and I think I you know I look at physically what could frighten me and there's there's quite a lot but um when I know that the Lord is my stronghold you know that's a place where you go when you feel attacked or when you feel embattled or when you when you feel under siege or or any any of those kind of frightened 
feelings. It's a place, a, you know, so the personhood of God is a place and a light. It's just, oh, I'm so grateful for that. I, I just hold on to that verse a lot. Yeah, come back to it many, many times. That is so cool. Last week, I had um, also from Psalm 27, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, just going over uh. and over and over and over in my brain. Mm. And mm. finally, I was like, I just have to go back to that psalm. And uh. um, and then immediately followed is that encouragement to wait, wait on the Lord. And mm-hmm. uh, that was such an, mm-hmm. a huge encouragement for me going into into my wedding. Everyone, yes. I got married over the weekend. Yay! Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so exciting. Yes, but um, but yeah, that whole entire portion of scripture is, is so mm-hmm. powerful and potent, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. has so many little incredible nuggets to hold on to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's amazing mm-hmm. that you shared that because very yeah. like it was very significant for me this past week. Yeah. So that's very and awesome. And so and so timely when you're leading up to such a big event. Because yeah. you know, no matter how relaxed we try to be about our weddings, it does feel quite a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Salvation is and it's not it's not in a wedding or how well it goes. It's yeah. in the Lord no matter what. Yeah. How for wonderful. Sure. Yeah. Sweet. Well, awesome answers to the mm. questions. Uh, we're we're going to mm. push into our, our main questions here. Uh, mm. What is your background with Wycliffe New Zealand and the work of Bible translation? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm actually a second generation Wycliffe person. That's so I'm cool. a mission. Cool. Yeah, a missionary kid. And like you, Alex, um, yeah. are you a missionary kid as well, Esther? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, I'm um, a minister's kid, I guess. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so my parents actually were both Wycliffe missionaries independently. My dad is from Oregon and in the United States, and my mum is a New Zealander. And they both went, they were both called to Papua New Guinea and uh, they met there and they they married in New Zealand. And then my brother and I were born, um, my brother was born in Papua New Guinea. He's older than me and I was born in New Zealand, but we spent our childhoods traveling the world. So we went Papua New Guinea and Texas and England and, um, and we my, my parents actually moved, uh, when I was probably about five, they moved into training new missionaries. So that was how we ended mm. up at the base in Texas. And then um, there was a very substantial base in Horsley's Green in England, where I spent um, the, the last years of my childhood, well, up until I was 12, you know, four years. So, um, and then when I was 12, we came back to New Zealand and uh, looked after grandparents and my parents continued to serve with Wycliffe, um, sort of not not as full time, uh, they took they took leave of absence, but they, uh, so they had jobs, but they served on the board and as in prayer ministry and things like that. So the Wycliffe uh family is very much that for me so you know we we sometimes in the office talk about our Wycliffe family don't we Alex and um it's very much been that for me you know even when um uh my husband and I've had you know challenging times with health and stuff 
my parents would say the Wickliffe family are praying for you you know wow. and so I've my whole life has been just covered smothered in prayer and love mm. from um, our supporters my family supporters and churches and the Wickliffe family so I consider myself incredibly blessed that is amazing mm. Mm. Oh, and then as an adult, I suppose I should go into that bit. <laughs> and then as an adult, um, my husband and I just really, well, he had a, a call to, to mission work since he was 12, as did I from, yeah. from around that time. But we, you know, we just, the timing never, never worked out. And we had a... Um, a moment probably in 2012 2013 where we looked at each other and we said we just had this nudge from the lord you know we need to move forward on this we need to take action and so we went to see um john rents at the wickliffe office back then he was the associate director then had lovely long conversations with him and we ended up going to serve in papua new guinea as um, support workers my husband was a regional director for four years supporting and managing about 40 different translation projects in the highlands of papua new guinea in the, wow. the northeast well it wasn't just the highlands actually it was the northeast region of papua new guinea and so that was a very um really intense and, and a job of a lot of responsibility, but such a privilege. And I had the honor of um, teaching choir in the school that our children went to there wow. on the base in, in Ikrimpa. And that was a, a wonderful formative time. And, um, and I'll tell you a bit later on how that lead, led into the vision that I have now for what we're doing now. But that was just such a we were so privileged to be able to do that and we came back early 2020 mm -hmm. wow mm. cool yeah, yeah and so my husband sorry no no you go on so my hubby um we the the reason we came back was so that he would be able to take um uh, the role of being associate director in the office there um so that so that we would be able to support the new zealand home office mm. 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 Sorry, Alex. Yeah, no, I was just saying I love um, hearing the stories of sort of second generation, you mm. know, sort of in a different area, but sort of carrying on the work that your parents mm -hmm. were doing. Um, mm -hmm. But so you mentioned you had always felt from a young age that you wanted to go into mission. Did you mm. always sort of think it would be with Wycliffe or was it all kind of open? No. Yeah, very open. Had mm. no particular preconceived idea. Um, mm. I always dreamed of it being around music but i couldn't mm. i didn't really know how or or what um mm. but i did dream of that um mm. and but then we had we had children and and you know yeah my my energy needed to be focused there and um so i sort of thought well i'm not going to be you know going and touring with ywam or something so mm. <laughs> you know that's not not one of the options but um but the Lord just opened up this amazing opportunity at the school because when we went there, I had no specific role that used my talents at all. Like I mm. thought, well, I'm content. But we left a job. I left a job here in New Zealand teaching music and choirs here in New Zealand in our local high school, which I adored. So it was a really big 
it was hard for me to leave that because mm. I mm. absolutely loved that job. And and I thought I might be just going, you know, to to do something that wasn't really in my field, you know, or and I was very I accepted that and I was prepared for that. Um, but when we arrived within about a couple of months, it became apparent that both of the choir teachers who were there, one of them was leaving to go finish. So he was mm. not coming back. And the other one was going on furlough for a year. Oh, and wow. so there was this massive gap of need. And I was trained in choir teaching and I knew how to, wow. you know, it was exactly the job. So I just stepped in and, you know, oh, I just loved it. It was yeah. so exciting. Yeah, so it was, the Lord had it all prepared, but I just didn't know yet. So mm. it was really a, a mm. wonderful thing. Yeah, I felt very grateful. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And so now that you're back, um, you mm. are our scripture through the arts coordinator, which is sort of a something you've created and come up with and God's given you the vision for. So would you be able to mm. tell us a bit about the vision behind that and how it came about? Yes. Um, it actually started back in Papua New Guinea because one of the things that I came to value enormously in Papua New Guinea was the realization that the work that I was doing with my students was never just about singing. And I knew that in New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would be giving singing lessons to my to my darling students who didn't know Jesus at all. And we would have the most amazing conversations about their struggles and Mm-hmm. And I just felt it was such a ministry back in New Zealand and my choirs, I was able to, you know, just really love them. And I, I did really, really love them, but I wasn't able to pray with them. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wasn't a few students I could individually, but I, not in the classroom. And I, I just didn't have that ability to really um, disciple them. Whereas that became my main goal in Papua New Guinea was that Mm. choir was a mechanism for discipleship. And um, so we would look at the songs that we were singing and and we'd we'd discuss, you know, we'd we'd have great discussions about what is the composer saying and what, you know, how how is this reflected in scripture or not? And how do we, you know, just analyzing and looking and and, um, and learning to really feel the joy of the music and experience the Holy Spirit through what we were doing. It was just a beautiful, I I just loved that Mm. opportunity. And I, as we were preparing to come back here, I realized that if I went back to my old job, I wouldn't have any of those opportunities. I wouldn't be able to do that in the same way. I would still be able to minister to those students. And I do. I have gone back to teaching choir and I love, I love that, but it, I really longed for the opportunity to have Jesus clearly integrated in the work and clearly integrated. You know, I just think there's something so powerful in the spiritual world about our voice and about Mm -hmm. our, the, you know, the declaration through our song and um, to be able to use that for the glory of God very openly was something I just began to really long for mm. much more. And um, so as I was in Papua New Guinea, I began to dream. And I, and I, the Lord just sort of began to drop these ideas about maybe I could have a choir that was, you know, that was really doing 
the kingdom work, you know, not, not just a, not only a community choir, but that would be great. And I do conduct a community choir as well. But, yeah. um, but, but how do I, um, you know, I just really longed for this. How, how can I use these skills and, and this opportunity in a way that's much more directly connected with the word and with the, and so anyway, that was a longing inside of me. So then when, um, when we came back, I was just sort of sitting on that thinking, you know, wonder what, wonder what will open up. And I began to kind of place, put out feelers and stuff, but, um, I, you know, we've been super busy with our house project and busy, busy, busy. Mm. Anyway, my, Bruce, my hubby, um, had some, has had some really serious health issues and he became um, so unwell at the end of last year that he wasn't able to continue doing his associate director role. And so it opened up this question for us, you know, do I continue with doing, I was doing a minimal amount with the Wycliffe office, but mainly doing my, my extra other music things and, and holding the home fort down and all that kind of stuff. Do I, do we, do I transfer some of my time into the Wycliffe work or do we look at a completely different scenario? And so we prayed a lot about it and the Lord just, I don't know, he just gave me this idea that maybe there could be a way that the needs of Wycliffe uh, New Zealand could be met through this kind of idea, the, the skills that I have and the approach. So it started off with the idea of I'd like to start a choir and, and I would still like to do that. But what it's turned into is a little bit different. And I can get into that a little bit later. But it's, um, it's, it's just been an incredible journey of, of seeing what God opens up for using creativity and music and stuff for for some of the things that Wycliffe needs so mm. oh, man. Yeah, it's open. there is so much in there that I would love to talk to you more about because <laughs> I actually am a private music teacher as well oh, um, it's wow. one of the things that I do to support myself and in, in, mm. in the other work that we do and so we share a very similar heart for mm. combining. Um, because I'm a private teacher, I do have a lot more capacity to pray with students if, if that's mm. what their family is comfortable with. Mm. Um, mm. And I have a whole, a, a whole lot of like homeschooled Christian kids. So mm -hmm. their, their yes. families are totally yeah. happy to dig right. into the discipleship side. And, mm -hmm. and you're so right. There are so many people who as you dig into helping them find their voice, mm -hmm. um, you deal with trauma and you deal you with um, just oh. a lot of things that are barriers, um, you know, uh, different anxieties that people mm -hmm. have. And, and mm -hmm. you, you, you face so much life together as you, you help to bring out someone's unique voice and, and instrument. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really crazy to see how all of that happens. So I, I love mm. that heart mm. behind that and to, to bring discipleship into it. And then I loved mm. you mentioned um, your heart to see song um, proclaim scripture and, and, and those mm. sorts of things. And there's a really interesting scripture in Hosea, which says, Judah shall plow and Jacob shall break up the clods. And um, I, I was taught years ago 
uh, about the link between that scripture and, um, and Matthew 13, the sower and the seed. Because in the sower and the seed, we see that uh, our hearts are, are the soil, right? And so mm-hmm. if Jacob, uh, sorry, if Judah shall plow, that's praise, plowing the soil. And so mm-hmm. when we use that, that amazing gift of, of praise and, and our expression through song to break up the soil of our heart, it creates a environment where our soil is then receptive to the word of God. And it's such a powerful tool to see the Mm. word of God actually implanted in people. And we see Mm -hmm. it all the time because, you know, Mm -hmm. the majority of people in church know more scripture from the worship songs they sing on Sunday than from the sermons. Mm -hmm. Like I think Mm -hmm. there's more people Mm -hmm. who can remember uh, praise Mm -hmm. and worship than than they can remember a sermon. So it's it's very potent and very powerful. And Mm. I I love everything that you talking about it's mm. very very cool yeah. um yeah. so um, i just wanted to quickly um ask if you could just clarify a bit so with scripture through the arts um mm. it's primarily aiming to um like tell about the work of Wycliffe. is that right and then yeah, the well, yeah there are three three different purposes of scripture through the arts so yeah i'll just get into exactly what it is and yeah. how it how it's kind of formulated so to speak Mm -hmm. so um one one goal of it is to is for that um discipleship element of the people in the group so so it's an you know that we 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 can create a uh, an environment of growth and an environment Mm -hmm. of yeah of, of of love and discipleship and challenge and but also to provide a place where people who are gifted and talented in the arts have an opportunity to serve um because i know a lot of people who are very gifted and very talented and they struggle to find places to serve other than worship on a sunday morning which is a really important thing and we want people to do that but sometimes people want to do some more things and mm-hmm. and i'm really excited to you know just potentially provide a situation where people can can come and use the skills that they've developed and that they've worked so hard on and to be able to really use them in a way that glorifies God because I think there's a real people really want that yeah um so that's one thing the other thing is to uh, to minister to the church the, the body of Christ here in New Zealand and to just bless them through what we do and serve them because that is one of the mandates of Wycliffe New Zealand is to serve the local church to serve the church here and so that's directly in line with that and then the third um, goal is to promote and to educate about the work of bible translation the bible translation movement worldwide so that so so on the surface that is the most prominent one because the content of what we're looking at and the, the content that I'm presenting and writing about is all about, uh, in some way, is connected with Bible translation. So, um, but those other goals are very much connected as well. I mean, they're, they're, mm. they're being met as well. And of course, a spin-off of the third one is recruiting, is that we need more people in Bible translation. There's such a huge need worldwide. And how can people know what the need is unless they are told? 
And yeah. so music and the arts are a very powerful way to communicate. And so, uh, yeah, and, and what we're doing is there's sort of two phases at the moment to scriptures, scripture and the scripture through the arts. And at the moment we're in phase one, which is where we're gathering stories and gathering people. Mm. And so we're, we have a, a small team already formed uh, involving several performers and an administrator. Hooray, hooray. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy not to do all the admin. Um, and and the wonderful gifted people uh, who are already working on the pieces. And then, and, and I'll tell you more about the pieces in a minute mm -hmm. as well. And phase two is when the group has, has grown and we have enough to actually have um, kind of a larger production. So we're able to, when I say production, I mean uh, a larger group who are able to respond to um, situations where we can do a bigger kind of concert or bigger performance. Um, and that's where I am excited to pull in my choral element because I am quite passionate about choral music. So um, I'm really excited to have the group grow. And as I write the pieces, and I'll, I'll describe to you in a minute what a piece is, uh, as I write the pieces, I'm bearing in mind that they need to be performed as completely as solo pieces. And they also need to be able to be performed as large group pieces. So as I'm writing them, I'm considering, ah, oh, this section of the, of the work could be the part where those, that body of other singers can come in and add um, some, some power to that moment or, mm. you know, and so I'm thinking as I'm writing, I'm, I'm thinking about choral arrangements and I'm thinking about the band and I'm kind of thinking about the next phase, even though we're not there yet. Mm. So would you like me to describe what a piece is? Is this good timing for that? Okay, so time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we have uh, Rob Lovett, the director of Wycliffe New Zealand, and I sat down a few a few months ago and talked about how we should kind of create a, the structure of this early stage. And there are a few different elements that are really important. One, of course, is the message. We need to express the the need and the importance of Bible translation, of course. Um, and then another thing is the, 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 the mechanism needs to be flexible because sometimes we'll go to a church who ha have 30 people and we want to be able to go to that church. And we want to be able to have a group that's, um, that's you know, appropriate for that situation. And it might be that there are times when there's no, uh, there are fewer people available and so maybe only two people can go and so uh, and then also we wanted it to have cohesion with the vision of Wycliffe which is currently um, a, a vision called stories of hope mm -hmm. and stories of hope is something which has been running for a number of years um, and we're we were talking about telling stories of how bible translation has impacted a people, a person's life or a people group's experience in, in the world. And so what we began to do was we began, I began to ask missionaries who I knew or people I didn't know, and I began to gather stories. So that's been a lot of what I've been trying to do is 
interviewing people and finding stories of how the work that they have done already has had an impact on the people that they worked with. How has the scripture, the translated scripture, the scripture that they're able to experience in their own language, how has that impacted that people group? And so those are the questions that I was specifically looking for. And it has broadened slightly. Not all of the stories are specifically about that, but, mm. but they are telling stories of um, Wycliffe missionary experiences. And so through those stories, we're able to meet those goals of, um, you know, explaining the importance of Bible translation and also the need uh, and well, and many other things, just, I mean, I'm, you know, being able to put in the gospel message in there as much as possible as well. And mm. so, so a piece is basically, if you imagine a short story, uh, it, it, you know, it has a beginning, middle and end. But if you imagine a short story put into musical theater, that's basically a piece. So you, so I'm writing kind of seven to 10 minute long pieces. And each piece is uh, currently, I'm telling them from the voice of the, of the person themselves. And, um, and so uh, it, yeah, it's, it's some dialogue, some and, and it's usually at, at the moment the ones that I've worked on have, have all been monologue so it's been one performer being able to present that to the audience um expressing their experience about a particular thing that they that they experienced or that they saw mm. that is super cool. cool and so intricate and I can already my creative mind is just going okay yay <laughs> okay these... we need to talk Esther <laughs> yeah <for sure. laughs> okay very yeah. cool <laughs> so many different yeah. um I can hear all of the different layers that would mm. go into that and the care that you have to take which is mm. is quite um quite interesting I did have a question about sort of the process of putting together a piece of work mm. but um mm. I also realize, so for me, when when I'm writing uh, songs or, or pieces mm. or whatever you want to call them, mm. every time is very different. Um, mm -hmm. And it's um, a, a lot of times in, in, in the way that, that I write music, I am often um, creating from um, trying to create a, a vibe initially where uh, mm -hmm. I can help people to feel the feeling mm -hmm. that needs to be felt to mm -hmm. connect to the story I want to tell. And yeah. um, I've often wondered, because uh, I, I, I know a lot of songwriters, I'm in, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's mm -hmm. like songwriter central, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I know is a, a totally different thing to creating more theater or um, choral stuff you know it's there mm. there are there it's a different medium but and there's also, a lot of overlap though. yeah very yeah. a lot of overlap mm. so mm. um but uh I've I've met other writers who they're very lyric oriented and I've met mm. other writers who are very um melody oriented or mm. other writers who might you know they think of the whole production of the thing mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. uh so how would you describe your process? Do you think it's quite varied or is it um, sort of a, sa a similar mm. process the whole way through or how would mm. you describe it? Yeah, um, I've 
I've done songwriting for many years as well, and I'd say probably still pretty consistently a song is born or maybe discovered, I would rather argue. For sure, for sure. Uh, Yes, I discover a song almost always through a phrase that catches my attention, a a lyrical phrase or just a the way that somebody says something yeah it just catches my catches my mind you know it's it's I imagine it's like there are phrases floating through the air all the time and just very occasionally the Holy Spirit makes me go oh there's one and I managed to grab it Mm -hmm. and that's that's almost always the way and, and it's and it always is a with a with a kind of a quickening in my heart like yeah. it's like oh like that oh that needs to be explored that yeah. that there yeah. that I can give you an example of a song that I wrote probably 15 years ago uh, a, a friend of mine I was talking about how I was really struggling with something and he is from Quebec this friend of mine and he said something and I don't even to this day know if I heard him correctly but it was the way that he phrased it English being his second language which I'd never I'd never heard something phrased or described in that way but we were talking about hope and how uh you know I was I was struggling to find hope in that moment and he said he said oh yes it's hard to find the promise of land Hmm. and it was like oh Oh, and it just stuck with me. And the song came, which is called Promise of Land. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, and it just came probably in 20 minutes. The whole song just, yeah. um, just was revealed. And, and it was um, very, it, it just helped to articulate and to uh, express something that I needed to express at that moment. And um, mm-hmm. so for the, one of the pieces that I've written is called Scars of Light. And it's a it's a piece, I, and it came about because I was reading a little uh, story about a woman called Vivian Forestberg who lived in the Philippines with the Tobolli people. And she just told a story of how one day she saw a young boy walking with his mum I think he was down by the river with his mum and she saw that he didn't have scars on his arms and he she said to him oh you don't have any scars on your arms why not and the context being that every person in the Tawali group have um, scars that they've put on their arms and the mum spoke up for the boy and she said she said he has understood that when he dies and goes to the place where he must cross the bridge over the pit of darkness that he understands that Jesus will meet him and Jesus will walk with him across that pit and that he doesn't need his own scars to light his way across the pit. Wow. And that, yeah, and that he will be safe because he's placed his trust in Jesus and Jesus will be able to do that for him. So he doesn't need the scars. 
Oh, that's and so that just... incredibly beautiful. Sorry. Uh, like, yeah. the whole yeah. concept of, like, he, Jesus bears our scars, that has yes. a whole new meaning. I know. <laughs> and that was what my brain did as well. My brain just went, yeah. oh, my goodness, that just bears a whole new meaning on Jesus' scars and yeah. the impact of scars. You see, mm-hmm. and so I'll read you the bit that, so I, so I wrote the piece about Vivian Forrestberg telling the story of meeting meeting this, um, this little boy and how she went to talk to an old friend of hers to understand what's happening, you know, what's the belief behind this and what, why, why, why did everybody have scars? Mm. And um, this elderly lady, um, I mean, this is my, this is my poetic um, interpretation of it. She said, um, I, I wrote, we hope he'll, oh, so, sorry, um, the, the purpose of the scars is to provide light to frighten away the creature of the darkness who lives in the chasm. Wow. And they hope that the scars will, will frighten him so that they can cross the tiny bamboo bridge to the other side. Wow. And so this old lady was saying, we hope that he'll see the lights from our scars, this creature of the darkness. We hope he'll let us pass over the pit of night. Our lights might fail to get us past because she didn't really know if this worked or not. Uh, there's no savior for us all with scars of light. And then later on in the, in the piece, um, we hear about this interaction with this little boy and his mother and how this little boy has placed his trust in Jesus. And the mum says about Jesus, he'll have scars on hands and feet, marks of execution, but not defeat. Wow. He crossed the bridge of darkest night. He's the savior of the world with his scars of light. Wow. That's amazing. I love so that we don't need, so much. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need our own scars. We don't have to work. We don't have to do all this exhausting stuff to make our own scars of light. We get to trust Jesus that he's done the work. Mm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm. I love the way that you described um, your the way, you know, songwriting comes to you is through catching a phrase and it's mm. in the, the wording of it. Because that's the only, as the moment it struck me, there was no overlap because obviously I'm not gifted in music <laughs> like you two are. My passion and gifting is in uh, linguistics. But mm. that's, I realized there's an overlap where we both mm. see this power in words. Um, yes. In the way the way things are phrased can really speak oh, to someone's heart. And absolutely. I, yeah, that just struck me. I was like, that's, that's the overlap between writing things in song and, you know, Bible translation and making Bible sure translation. that when things are expressed in a, a way that speaks to someone's heart, it really impacts yes. them. Yeah. Yes. And in yeah. a way you could say that putting, you know, the, these stories into song is almost a way of translating into a way that people can express can, can mm. experience them at a heart level you know like we can mm. we can it's very different hearing somebody's story told to having somebody's story experienced in drama and song mm. it's it's mm. a very it's a very different experience and um mm. and yes the care that we need to take with our words Alex you know in mm. bible translation there's such care mm. taken 
with the choice of our words as translation is is occurring it's it's not a glib thing it's checked and double checked and triple checked and there's such a rigorous process and um and i'm very aware that when i'm doing this i am careful with the words Mm -hmm. because the Mm -hmm. words are they're powerful yeah it's not accidental that words are powerful yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, for wow. sure. We could have a whole other conversation about about <laughs> that. There have been so many songs that have got onto the platform just for praise and worship where I've been like, why are we saying that? That doesn't <laughs> yes. accurately represent the gospel. Why are we singing yes. this? Um, so yes. I very much can can relate mm-hmm. to that. And mm-hmm. yeah, similarly have, have so many stories where I like how you say that. You sort of caught a phrase or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um Mm. Uh, yeah, it's quite amazing to delve into the whole creative process, and mm. um, and you know, mm. you know, linguistics is also a creative process. So of course, yeah. there's overlap. Mm. It's just a very different yeah. kind of creativity. Yeah. And I, I learned that very much from my mum, who she is a project manager in the IT realm. And uh-huh. she's one of the most creative people that I know. She has to create relationship with people and she has to create um, schedules, which sounds mm-hmm. so like regimented, but actually mm-hmm. they're breathing mm-hmm. living organisms that she's mm-hmm. having to, um, she's having to kind of rein in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it's like yeah. catching a, catching a phrase as you say, as you yeah. say. So yeah. I, I love that yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Yes, and one of the things I've also loved about the process is that in the past, my songwriting has really been uh, just quite personal. You know, it's been it's been not it's been more for the for the sake of um, maybe personal expression or or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I kind of have the hope that someone else might benefit from it, and. And I think they do, but the impetus of it was originally finding a way to express a concept or an idea that I was struggling to to articulate. Because, you know, words, although they are important, they're also, um, sometimes we can't find the words we need. Sometimes the words are just, and that's why we need art. And that's why we need, we need Mm. music and visual arts and drama to express things that we just cannot find the way to express it just with our words and so um yeah so but now as I'm going through this experience I'm I'm writing for a specific task and so it's much more you know I need to sit down and I need to produce something and Mm I um and that's been a really really interesting challenge and I and I've noticed that I I just sit there and I pray I I I, you know because it's not necessarily that it's going to come to me uh just through my normal life which is the way songs have have come to me before um now it's okay I have a body of like a story that I need to represent Lord what do you want me to do how do you want it done yeah. What's the way that you, it needs to only be his voice, only what he's saying. And how do I do this? So I, I spend quite a lot of time um, playing around with a, a phrase or a concept or a chord progression or a melody. And then I go, oh, Lord, I don't know. 
what do you want? You know, and I, and I just sit there and go, what do you want? And then I'll go and have a cup of tea and I'll come back and I'll go, so Lord, what do you want? (laughs) And, and it's, it's, it's incredible how, when I just keep going, then the Lord, the Lord helps me through the work. You know, it's not just through a, an an emotional experience or a, a a revelation. It's just through doing the work, you know, Mm. and, um, and I love the way God works just, you know, just through do, doing the work as well. Mm. It's, it's, it's a really exciting thing to learn that. Yeah, that um, leads quite nicely into the next question I had for you, which is in what mm. ways have you been reassured of God's hand through Stitch of the, Through the Arts, both as you're mm. starting out and now? Um, would you be able yeah. to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think one thing that's been quite clear has been it's just that story I told of how the Lord was preparing my heart earlier. Mm. I think that mm. was just really very gracious and kind of him because it was, it wasn't kind of a, when this, this idea sort of, when I say it came to me, it wasn't even like it even came to me. It was like, it was just like, Oh, you mean that old idea I could put, into here is that what you're saying Mm. like it was not a kind of wasn't even new like it was just already prepared in my heart and in my mind but just tweaked a little bit and and Mm. in a a context that I hadn't yet imagined and um so that was just a lovely thing to see his hand in the history the process of my you know him warming my heart up to it (laughs) for a long time and then also um I think there's something wonderful about being under the authority of your leadership, you know, that, that Rob is a really, um, he's really excited about it. And the board, the Wycliffe New Zealand board are excited. And, um, and I, and I'm, and I, you know, my husband's really excited and, and I just love all of those, um, that, that support that that's, that's important, all Mm. the important things. And, um, and then the, another thing is the times that I have, performed the I've, I've performed two of the pieces so far and um and it's just evident when you perform something that moves people it's it's just evident that that the holy spirit will use it um and i and i don't mean that all moving is equal i don't mean that because we have an emotional experience that therefore that makes it valid on its own but it is a there is a there is an evidence that I can see in the feedback that I've had um, from Mm -hmm. people that that there's a that it's a a, a useful thing to do and that it's helping people ah I I would love to just encourage you in that um actually part of my story of how uh, I got involved in work with bible translators is that previous director Wayne Freeman um, came and sat with my family and well actually just my dad and I but um, he came to our house my family home in in Wellington in New Zealand and he shared with us the story of Wycliffe and um, and he shared uh, at that point they had been working on vision um, 2025 and Mm -hmm. um, and he he just was began sharing with us about how Bible translation impacts people around the world and mm. and and the importance of Bible translation and the, the need and, and all of these sorts mm. of things. And mm-hmm. at that point, um, 
my music. There's so much that you've spoken about that I relate to. I, I previously <laughs> sang very personal songs and now I mm-hmm. sing I, I sing and write songs for the church. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the process that then the transition that you described mm-hmm. is exactly the transition that <laughs> I went through. There's so, there's so many yeah. things that are very interesting and amazing. But um, <laughs> at that time I was singing um, personal songs and mm. things had been going quite well and we were getting on the radio and, and doing that sort mm. of thing. And so we'd been thinking, well, we would love to represent something more. A lot of artists at that time were doing, you know, compassion and world vision. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, through our connection with Wayne Freeman, I was like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, this needs to be my thing. I need to uh. share the story. And he, the, the phrase that he shared with me was, um, was story of hope. And that's where the theme song for this podcast came from Uh um, 12 or so so years ago. Um, (laughs) That story of hope phrase, and it's it's captured in my mind and Mm -hmm. captured in my heart. And Mm -hmm. that song, it's insane. I I remember one time we were playing at a bar in Wellington and we were playing with another band and uh, their – long lost cousin who had just completely kind of had a prodigal son life decided to come to that show and that was the song she just completely went to my found my mum went to her basically unloaded her entire testimony and was completely moved by the song that I wrote about bible translation like (laughs) yeah I'm not surprised yeah and it just it completely Mm -hmm. transformed her paradigm it it Mm -hmm. it cut in in the spirit and into her heart yeah. in ways that nothing mm-hmm. else could because she mm-hmm. I, she heard the hope she heard whatever yeah. it was that that thing was carrying I mean when, with mm-hmm. these songs we don't even always fully understand yeah. everything mm-hmm. that it can no. carry for people even no. and, and no. there are so many times where I'm like I don't know that you actually caught even what that song was saying but yeah, God yeah. did something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and yeah. so anyway just to encourage you like yeah. You're, you're so not wrong. Um, mm. It's going to have such an incredible impact way beyond everything that you can even ask or think because mm. I have just been so blown away how mm. little songs can leave such a lasting impact yeah. on someone's life intrinsically. And it's been, it's been real in my life as well. You know, mm. um, I had a song when I felt like God told me to move to the U S I had a song mm. that went with that, that confirmed mm-hmm. what God was saying in my life. And, mm. and I think that's very similar for a lot of people, even people yeah. who mm. don't have, I actually don't listen to a lot of music personally. Mm. I find it to mm. make my brain too filled. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, but other people who don't make music often listen to a lot of music and they have yeah. these songs or musical moments for moments in their life that take them to that place yeah. and help them mm-hmm. to remember and help them to relive and help them to be mm-hmm. encouraged. And so mm-hmm. Just all of that was a very wordy way Mm. of saying what you're doing is very, very important. Mm. And um, I'm so grateful to get to hear some of the story today. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly a privilege. Yes, for sure. Um, Mm. We've kind of already talked about this a little bit. It's very, very Mm. clear. But what is the value and importance you see in sharing and passing on stories of God at work and 
Um, have any of the stories you're working on impacted you while you work on them? I know the scars one, we've already heard that must have been incredibly <sighs> yeah. personally impactful, mm. but we'd mm. love to hear more. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, so I, mm, yeah, maybe the, I'll answer the second part of that first. Um, yeah, definitely the scars of light, Just it, it just opened up another I don't know if you 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 will have experienced this both of you but uh the more I walk with Jesus the more I realize the wonder of the gospel and how you know so simple and yet so involved and so multi-level you know like just the layers and layers and layers and I just love the way um, in scripture, you know, there's a lot of use of metaphor and, and there's a lot of use of picture. And, um, and, I, and I, I think the thing about the scars of light, one that I just loved so much was this, was a fresh, a fresh concept of how, uh, you know, Jesus is the carrier of our light and and I I just threw his scars you know I just oh Mm. I don't know it's just still (laughs) every time Mm. I every time I go to perform it or sing it I I have to get past crying first Mm. and then I and uh, just because I'm I'm so grateful and I I just love Jesus so I am so grateful that he has opened up a new way for me to see that and it's beautiful Mm. and and to be free of the fear that people you know, when we have an idea of the of reality, which is not, um, which which isn't including the truth of Jesus, it's it's frightening. You know, like to fake to fear that you're going to be at, at death, that you're going to be faced with a chasm, and have to by by your own merit or by the quality of your own scars, you have to somehow fight off a terrifying monster. It's it's a frightening experience in life, and just I, I'm just so grateful that um the the gospel and, and what Jesus has done for us is incredibly practical you know we we don't have to it, there's a very practical application in everything but specifically in fear fear is something that I have struggled with a lot and I do still and um and so for it just spoke very deeply to me about um, you know, it's not just fear at death. I don't really fear that. It's the, it's more the daily chasms that I have to face, yeah. or the daily the the daily things that I I am worried that. And like often for me, it's my own failure. My you know, what's the monster of my own failure in the bottom of that chasm? Well, Jesus has said, uh, your own failure is not actually the point here. The <laughs> fact that I carry the scars. I am the one who is the one who carries you across your fears, across the whatever monsters you're facing. It's me. And and I don't have to live in fear. And I, I it's just another layer of, of the beauty and wonder of the gospel. Yeah. Mm. And so another one that I, I um, just wrote a story about was the story of Rob Lovett and um, his wife Leanne. And how they came to decide that they were going to be full-time, lifelong Wycliffe missionary members and that they um, were not going to just stay short-term. And it was the story of of him 
hearing a question that was asked by an old lady who for the first time had just heard scripture in her own language. And she'd spent her whole life not knowing the message of Jesus. And she just heard this message. She just got the, the story of the Easter message in her own language. And she turned to the translator who had been working with the translator team. And she said to um, this, this, this woman who was at that time was Joan Blaymeyers. And she turned to Joan and she said, why, why, why did it take so long for us to hear what Jesus has done? Mm-hmm. And it was that question that had such a massive impact on Rob and Leanne. And they were, um, you know, there were other circumstances as well, but that was one of the big um, things that pushed them to go, we can't do this short term. We need to do this for our long term. This is our life calling. And so as I wrote that piece, the chorus is, is why, 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 did it take so long for us to hear what Jesus has done? And every time I would mm-hmm. sing that when I was writing it, and even when I was performing it, I cried. It's just because, yeah. you know, it's just this is the reality of yeah. so many mm-hmm. people in the world. Yeah. That's actually, mm-hmm. ironically, my dad grew up in the Anglican church in New Zealand, and when he got saved, I think he was 27, mm. he was like, why didn't anyone tell me? He didn't fully understand the gospel, even though he'd grown up in church. And mm-hmm. he was just like, why didn't anyone tell me? So that's wild. Yes. We actually had mm. um, Rob on one of our early episodes and I and he mm. shared some of that story. So I would love to listen yes. to, back to that episode and then listen to <coughs> yes. the piece and just be like, and yeah. see the two stories next yeah. to each other. Mm-hmm. That would be very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So we might have mm-hmm. to make that possible for people somehow someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it would be really mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. and of course... Hearing- Go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember hearing that story for the first time and it touched me as well Mm. Um, because I think up until that point, the stories people tend to share about the impact of the translated word is when someone reads it, which is also true when Mm. people read it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, how it's impacted me. But this is more Mm. someone's genuine reaction that was, I guess, initially not what you would think. So kind of negative, Mm. like just Mm. the Mm. emotion wasn't positive joy. It was uh you know, disappointment, grief, you know, yeah. yeah. And mm. um, sometimes we don't share that, but that actually, mm. it really impacted me as well. Cause I mm. went home and told it to uh, one of my friends and I also cried. Mm. Cause I just, mm. it's like, mm. yeah, it's not just, wow, this is something great we get to do. But mm. if we don't do this, mm. Um, mm. the impact it has on people mm. as well is important to share. So yeah. 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 And she was feeling the pain of that. Mm. Yeah. I always think about the Ezekiel scripture where it says, uh, if you tell them, then the responsibility is no longer yours. But if you don't tell them, mm. the responsibility will be with you. And mm. um, yeah, that, those mm. sorts of stories, they, they carry so much mm. weight. And I think there's something in Revelation where um, they hear they hear about the things that God has done and they're all like, in, in sorrow over it and it's mm, like oh mm, wow mm-hmm. yeah the the heaviness that can be there when you understand 
the permanence yeah. <laughs> of mm-hmm. of eternity and mm-hmm. and what our choice can mean in life, you know, um, and yeah. and not just a person choosing whether or not to follow Jesus, but a person choosing whether or not to share what Jesus has done. Um, mm. It's quite it's quite tangibly, powerfully um, humbling and uh, yeah, convicting. Com- yeah, very much mm. so. Yeah, mm. amazing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I guess along those lines, uh, what's one thing about missions or about Bible translation that you wish more people knew? Uh, well, um, you know, I uh, there's a little T-shirt. I uh, see. I need to try to see if I can get this right, but I, in Papua New Guinea, there was a T-shirt um, which had um, it said, "Go unless God tells you to stay." like you know that that we are actually we're told to go into all the world and yeah and it doesn't mean that um you know i think a lot of the time churches hear that and they go oh but it doesn't mean doesn't mean you and it doesn't mean you and it doesn't mean you and and you know there is some truth in that but it actually is we are all told to go and so yeah it's just a question of where um Mm. and and for some, it does mean go into the workplace, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean go and. We're not called to just have a comfortable life and that it be self-serving. We're called to go. So I think the way my son put it was uh, very apt. He's now twenty, but when he was a teenager, he we were talking about this at the at the dinner table one day, and he said, he said maybe it's not so much that uh, you know we're all called to we all have to go, but we all do need to be willing to go. Mm. And that, uh, so, so, so just, just thinking that, you know, we all, we all do need to be willing to go where God asks us to go. And that's a big thing. It's not a small thing to, to actually really face how, how surrendered am I really in right. my life? How, how much am I really willing to give up or, understanding that the Lord always has our best in mind as well and uh, he's his his vision and his love for us is so much bigger than our own and uh, we don't need to be fearful and then also that um there is real need real need and it's it's not something that um you know so 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 get involved get involved, pray, find missionaries to support. There are missionaries who are, who are wanting to go out and they, you know, your $50 or $100 a month really does make a difference. It really helps them get there. And uh, it and it's just so encouraging when we are supported by a team of people. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We can't do any of this without a team of supporters through prayer, and through finances and through encouragement. We need you. We need each other. That's yeah. awesome. I actually was recently reminded of a story that we know from um, an awesome pastor that we've actually had on the podcast before, Graham Davison. He mm-hmm. is um, the pastor of a church in Glen Innes in Auckland in New Zealand, which is a suburb that is not very well off and his whole congregation is not very big and they're not very well off as a congregation as a congregation but they have as a church body committed to support 
missions around the world and committed to be involved. And so what they did to make it tangible for their church to even give is they just weekly did their home groups and they were like, well, let's just have everyone bring a gold coin koha. And as a church, they've been able to give um, over a million dollars to the work of missions around the world. And it's just these tiny, small things. And so Mm -hmm. just to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, Mm -hmm. it's so important that we understand even, it's kind of like Mm -hmm. that story of the widow's might, just even Mm -hmm. the smallest thing Mm -hmm. can be Mm -hmm. such a big and important help Mm -hmm. in the, in Mm -hmm. the work of, Mm -hmm. of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So yeah. With that in mind, how can people support you and and your ministry and what you're doing? Well, we, as I mentioned, we were in the really early development stage. So we would just love to have more people on board who are passionate about uh, performing, who are who have some experience in singing and drama uh, and you know, if you're not a soloist, that's okay. We we want people who can sing with a group uh, as well as people who can do solo work. And uh, we just, yeah, I would just love to hear from you. And hopefully the maybe the, the email address can go in the program notes. Yeah. Um, yes, and also if that doesn't sound like you, we, we really need prayer. You know, prayer is, I, I don't want to be doing anything without prayer. And mm. so... Um, if you can, if you'd like to be on our prayer team, I'd love to hear from you. I've got a prayer team who are who are praying, and I keep keep you updated now and then. So I'd love to hear from you there as well. Um, and and if you um, want to us to come to your church, we'd love to serve by coming to your church. So uh, we can do you know a, a seven minute block, or a, we can take the whole service. We can just do kind of whatever you whatever you need um that you can be sure that it will be an experience which will tell people about the needs of Bible translation and uh, your your people will hear the gospel and um and they'll understand that the scripture is vital for our lives and for the lives of everyone in the world awesome well speaking of prayer First of all, mm. we'll definitely make sure that we have the links um, or the, yeah. the contact and in, in the description of the, the video when we put it live so that people can mm. support and help and, and do all of those great things. But speaking of prayer, we have yes. a practice that we always pray for five different nations every time we mm. gather together for this podcast. And so our nations for this week are Comoros, Congo Republic, Cook Islands, Costa Rica, and Croatia. And we would love to have you lead us in prayer for these nations, please, Jenny. I'd love to, yes. Well, Lord, we uh, bring to you, first of all, Comoros, that little tiny island nation in Africa. And uh, Lord, we specifically bring before you your president, President Azali, and we ask that you will bless him and that you'll give him a um, a conviction of goodness and righteousness and that you will um, bring him to you, Lord. Um, Lord, we know that it's a tiny, tiny Christian population there and we ask that you will strengthen and um, grow your church who are there 
and uh, and Lord, we we pray that you'll um, that the translations of the Bible which are um, are done, we we ask that they'll be used, and the ones that are not yet done, we ask that you'll help them to um, to be to be finished and completed, and um, Lord, we ask that your that your your hand will be on that country. And Lord, the Congo Republic, um, Lord, we know that the, the disruption due to civil war has been really hard on the church. And uh, we ask that that you will um, you really help with the Bible translations which are underway, but uh, um, under-resourced, Lord, and that, that we ask that you'll help, uh, you'll convict people who have resources to be able to uh, contribute where, where you would like them to be contributed. And we ask that you'll mm. um, strengthen that process of Bible translation that is, is in a challenging situation. Would we also pray for, for the president uh, and we ask blessing on him. We ask for integrity in yeah. him. And we ask uh, that your Holy Spirit will bring him to yourself. Jesus. And Lord, the Cook Islands, uh, I'm going to focus specifically on the Puka Puka project. Um, and Lord, we we just ask that the, the Puka Puka project that um, Kevin and Mary Salisbury, of, uh, who are Wycliffe New Zealand um, missionaries, we ask that you will bless their work, bless the work that you have been doing there we know that there's uh, a massive amount of work that's done and we're so grateful for all of the commitment and the hard work that's gone into the translation that's already uh, in its final checking of the final draft of new testament and psalms and would we ask for accuracy as they check mm -hmm. the key to, uh, used in the translation and we ask that that you'll help them to Holy Spirit that you'll move in them and that you'll help them to see if there are errors so that they'll be able to correct them and that they'll be able to really get the meaning uh, as, as close to the as close and as accurate as they possibly can. Um, and Lord, we ask that um, that the leaders, the chief chiefs and the religious leaders, across uh, who are in Australia and New Zealand, that they will be convicted and, and um, encouraged to support with publication costs of, mm -hmm. the, of the Bible when it's ready to be published. And, yeah. um, and, that, the pub, and that the celebrations will be uh, attended well. We pray for Benny and Mai, who are, the, um, who are the, the main translators. We just ask that you protect them, guard them, and help them as they finish the, the work and as they think about moving into uh, or the ongoing work of translating the Old Testament as well. Mm -hmm. um, so Lord, for Costa Rica, thank you Lord um, so much for the progress that um, they've had there in, in uh, since the 1970s really of, of education and healthcare and um, the, the great work that's happened which has lowered infant mortality and we'll be so thankful that um, there's been some good leadership in those regards there and um, we pray for the Bribri translation that, that's been translated by the Bible Society we pray that you'll um, continue that help that progress mm -hmm. 
and the um, Kekuba translation as well. Pray. Thank you so much for the work that was done on that as well. And um, we're grateful, Lord, that that uh, there are translations which can be used by many of the people there in Costa Rica. And Lord, for Croatia, um, Lord, we just, oh Lord, we ask you for lasting reconciliation between the Bosnians and the Serbs and the Croats. It's just hundreds of years of, of, of anger towards one another. And Lord, we just ask that you will um, somehow heal the rifts that are so deep and we ask that you'll work um, through the body of Christ and that um, and that the, the body of Christ would unite across the denominations and that they'll be able to really impact um, impact society there more and more. We're grateful, Lord, that the body of Christ is there. We just ask for strengthening and for unity for them. Lord, we bring all of these countries before you and we thank you that your hand is at work everywhere and that even when we can't see what's happening, you are there, you are at work and we know that you are strong and that you are good and we are grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. It's been such an honour to have you on and just hear your heart for uh, for people, for um, what you do through music. Um, yeah, just thank you so much. Well, it's been um, such a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. It's great fun. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. and we'll make sure to um, include your email address in the description so people can get in contact with you if they want to mm -hmm. know more about Scripture Through the Arts or get involved mm. themselves. Um, mm. Yeah, and for anyone else listening, we'll have another episode out um, next month, so make sure you like, comment, share this to people you might think it would impact as well. We'll see you guys next time. Bye! Bye! See ya! <laughs> <laughs>